Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Faith, Tech, and Space. And that lead-in right there was Scott Holmes with his uh, instrumental called Mountains All Around Us. Just a reminder, we actually debuted that just a few weeks ago in the inaugural episode of this podcast in episode one. And uh, Mountains All Around Us is just a reminder uh, that, that there are, even though we may be in a valley when it comes to life, right, we may be in a low there are always mountaintops around us so that we can climb those mountains and we can have those mountaintop experiences in life. So since three weeks ago, since I published the first episode of Faith, Tech, and Space, uh, it's it's been going very well. First off, the, the response has been tremendous. The listening and the folks that have tuned in, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, but what's been interesting is to compare what it was like in 2009 when I launched the Observe Tech podcast and launching Faith, Tech, and Space. And I will tell you the biggest thing is is the, the responsiveness of various podcast directories. First off, there's a lot of podcast directories these days in comparison to what was available in 2009. Um, so in the course of... Uh, let me pull up my, my podcast webpage here so I can talk through these things. In the course of the last few weeks, since I did that first episode, because when I recorded episode one, there was nothing established, right? I had to get that first show into the feed so that it could then get picked up and I could provide that feed to various uh, podcast listings. And the Blueberry PowerPress plugin for WordPress which is what I used for Observe Tech, and I use that for Faith, Tech, and Space, makes it really easy to get your show submitted to different directories, or a handful of them, because it provides direct links on where to go to do it, and then you copy it in, and it becomes part of your, your system display so that people have those options to click on. So since we started with the um, uh, tuning in, you know, getting everything set up and stuff, let me find my... Uh, my podcast page. The um, I've it's been accepted in iTunes, Google Play Music, Blueberry, of course, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Plus, you can subscribe via RSS or via email if that's your preference. Uh, you can plug those into your favorite podcast catcher or listener or whatever, however way you want to get it. So, in the course of just a few weeks, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven directories already that Faith, Tech, and Space is listed in. And I can remember it just taking forever to, to, to submit things as well as to get a response back. And in fact, the longest one has was iHeartRadio. I just got that response last week, so it took them about two and a half weeks. But uh, I've just got a couple others that I'm working on to, to wait to see them fill in. And then I'm going to be pretty happy with the fact that this podcast with just one episode was accepted into all those directories. I've not been turned down to any directory that I submitted it to. So that's pretty impressive. Um, and then because I had the framework in place from Observe Tech Podcast, it was pretty easy to set up Faith Tech and Space for the show page, which is what I publish on windowsobserver.com, and then the show links page, which I publish on winobs.com. And so those are already established. I did change them up a little bit, and I'm using more of the features that are part of PowerPress to display the player for the podcast, as well as the download link, the size of the download. So I don't have to manually add those items anymore. So it's great, and it helps me with the automation part a little bit. So it's been a really positive experience over the last few weeks getting Faith Tech and Space ramped up. And so here I am now. This has been about three weeks since I recorded the last show, like I said. Uh, we had a week of vacation in the midst of that over Thanksgiving, which is why I didn't do a show two weeks after the first one. But I'm I think I'm pretty settled on at least every two weeks, uh, twice a month, 
And uh, if I if if I get smooth in this and get the syncing down, and you know, it's pretty easy the the tech and space stuff that I talk about because it was things I talked about regularly in Observe Tech. But the faith element of things is what I'm kind of still working on and 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 formatting. <clears throat> excuse me, how that will be part of the show. Uh, then the next thing I want to mention is that in this world of Windows 7 going away, end of support on the 14th of January 2020, that is only about 35 days away, my own work laptop has finally been upgraded and replaced with one that runs Windows 10. It's basically the same model. And what they did was they re-imaged it at our IT support. We're a, a globally distributed company, so here in the U.S., we do have a handful of offices, but our, my IT support comes from Kansas. So they imaged up a new device for me, shipped it to me. I got logged in with all my proper credentials because, like I do on my own personal desktop, I store everything in the cloud. I use OneDrive. All my email is in the cloud. And so I don't, I don't have a lot of data on a device, if any, when I reformat it or clean it up. And I've kind of gotten in that habit over the years as I've tested Windows 10. So it just is an easier way to restore things and get back up and running. So when I got the new laptop, I simply logged in with my uh, credentials. There's my Windows 10. The Windows 10 is there. My OneDrive is there, which is where everything's stored. My email is there in Outlook because we're an Office 365 shop. And of course, Teams was on there, uh, which my team is shifting to here uh, starting this coming week. So uh, been a, a fairly smooth transition because again, I've gotten in a habit with that. I don't store stuff on the local drive anymore. It's just easier with the cloud. Okay. And then the other piece of news is on Friday, T-Mobile, you may have let, read that T-Mobile launched their 5G network. Now this is their 600 millihertz, uh, megahertz. Uh, this, so this is low end 5G goes a lot farther, travels a lot farther. If you want a great kind of how to and understanding of 5G, go over to neowin.net. Uh, find Rich Wood's unboxing video for the new OnePlus 7T Pro 5G, which is one of two 5G phones that T-Mobile has launched. Um, this phone supports the 600 megahertz band, and it will support the two and a, two and a half gigahertz band, I think it is, um, which is Sprint's technology. So that's based on the future merging of Sprint and T-Mobile. And then you have Millimeter Wave, which is a much shorter distance service, but faster. So the 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 higher the 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 channel, the faster the speeds, but you also have reduced coverage. So the so you and he gives a great explanation about it. So I highly recommend. I don't have a link to that in my show notes, but if you go to neowin.net, just look for Rich's unboxing of the 7T Pro 5G that he did. Um, and you will, he does a great job at explaining 5G and how it lays. And you get a look at this phone. It is an absolutely, I picked it up on Friday. It is an absolutely beautiful device. Uh, I was on the S9 Plus. Uh, this thing is just, from all perspectives, uh, screen is a 90 megahertz screen, very smooth, very colorful, very bright and intense. Uh, it's got three different cameras on it, including a 48 megapixel back camera. And then it's got the 16 megapixel wide, and it's got the normal one. It's got this nightscape mode. It's got the front selfie camera. This is the one that pops up out of the case. Uh, there's a video. If you go search for uh, OnePlus 7T Pro and cinder block you will, or concrete block, you will find a demo video where they hang a 50-pound concrete block off of this camera uh, being extended from the body, and it holds that 50-pound block. It's just amazing. So anyway, I'm still, uh, I've got the phone set up. We did the transfer in the store on Friday from my S9 Plus to the one, the 7T Pro 5G. Uh, here in my area, I don't have 5G yet. Uh, 
the part of the holdup in a lot of areas is the 600 megahertz channel is used for television broadcasts and that slowly they're transitioning off of that. There is one area about an hour and a half from where I live. And in fact, I make a monthly trip to this area uh, because I have a meeting up there and I will be able to experience 5G directly on the phone once I do that. Uh, but so we'll, we'll be exploring that and I'll write more about that as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about faith and where we're at on in this segment of the show. Uh, first off, my own personal formation. As I mentioned in episode one, uh, you know, I, I've always had my faith. I, I've been a Catholic for over, gosh, it was 1987, I think, that I converted to, so 32 years. Uh, and I'm in formation to become a permanent deacon in the um, Catholic Church. And I'm in my first year. So we're, we finished up about half of our first year so far. And uh, it's a three-year process. And I've already done three years of earlier education in ministry. So that is part of that that process. But this formation and discernment for the next three years is about exploring that whether or not this call that, that I heard, that I understand I'm being called to, is the truth, is truly what God is calling me to do. So as I'm doing that, I'm in classes along with seven other men who are in that same situation, and we're going through formation. So online, we're just finishing up a philosophy class. In fact, it was it was called Philosophy for Understanding Theology. Um, I will be turning in my final piece of homework today, and then next week is the final exam. And I've got some preparation and work to do for that, for my study guide. And then I will be closing out my philosophy class. Then we have about a month. That's an online class. We have about a month before we pick up our next online class, which will be sacramental theology. And that will be focused on the, on the sacraments of the Catholic Church, the seven different sacraments, and their, their origins and their, their, their biblical uh, elements of them and the, the magisterium, the teaching of the church, and where those sacraments come from and, and how they're tied into our faith. And then locally, uh, ne- next this coming Saturday, I will have, uh, we have, my, our first homiletics class of about four this year, I think. And homiletics is about a preaching, uh, what, what in the Catholic Church we call a uh, homily. And so the first class, though, is going to be focused on public speaking, public speaking skills. And as I understand it from our syllabus, we're going to do a little extemporaneous speaking, unprepared, and we're just going to get a chance in front of our classmates and some of the formation team to practice our public speaking and get feedback in a, in a safe environment. And then next month for January and February in our local class, we are going to be actually studying canon law, not to get a law degree or anything like that. It's a familiarization process, but we do have a fairly hefty uh, 2,000-page commentary on canon law that we'll be using as course material. So that is kind of where we're at online and where we're at locally. Um, and we will do this throughout the next three years. Uh, there are there are a couple periods of the year we get a little downtime, but the the primary concept and focus of this, in addition to all the classes, we're also doing spiritual direction. Each of us have a spiritual director. We uh, are doing pastoral experiences. So each year, 40 hours at a minimum of a pastoral experience. This first year, I'm actually doing mine with the Apostleship of the Sea, which if you're military and you're familiar with the USO, it's kind of that same concept, except it's got the it's got a faith-based origin to it. 
is that you're there to support the Mariners that are coming into port. We've got a couple main ports here in Jacksonville, and we have centers there where they can come and get a magazine, get on the Internet, call home, watch a movie. We have snacks and some other stuff, and we give them transportation to local shopping malls and shopping centers so they can do some shopping and things like that. So I will be doing 40 hours of that this year, and then in my second and third years, I'll be doing other ministries for that. So that's kind of where we're at in this aspirancy year. It's called your aspirancy year this first year. And so um, if all goes uh, according to God's will, at the end of this year, we will become candidates. We'll be presented to the bishop as candidates for holy orders. And then we will continue our second and third years leading up to an ordination in the summer of 2022. So I, I plan on sharing with you kind of where we're at on a class thing, just in generic terms. Uh, I, I'm not becoming a philosophy major. Uh, that That's not the intent behind these classes. They're intended to give us some tools and familiar, familiarity with things um, to carry into our ministry and continue learning from. And then the one other kind of digital tech piece I wanted to mention to you was... Um, you know, some of you out there may read the Bible on a regular basis. I really like the paper version of the Bible. Um, however, there are digital options, and one of them that's very popular is called um, version. And they actually, I forget the number, I mean, they just have a massive amount of unique users and installs. They, they do these things called uh, Bible reading plans, so you can, they are created by individuals as well as uh, celebrities and other popular people and just people that, to help you kind of explore the Bible and to learn more about what's in Scripture. Um, and it, it supports, I, the numbers like uh, this 2,000, uh, 2,000 versions of the Bible in that 1,350 languages, and they released some other stats with how they're growing and, and how the, the app is growing and becoming more used more and more. But the interesting tidbit here and why I chose this link is because they, they mention what they saw through their app as the most popular Bible uh, verse that was done. It was Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and it goes like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And that is Philippians 4, verse 6. So I just thought that would be interesting to share. You can go check out the version. Uh, it's available on web. It's available on all the mobile devices and things like that. So, and there's just a lot of interactivity in it. And it has you have the ability to share from it with pictures and images of scripture and things like that. So, all right, let's jump into the tech main stuff and let's talk a little Windows Insider. Very busy week over the last couple weeks and last week specifically because we had two builds land. Build 19035 and 19037 were both released uh, to uh, the Insider Slow and Insider Fast Rings. And this is Windows 10 build 20, uh, uh, version 20H1, the code name 20H1. Um, here's the deal. We are certainly in the final stages of this version of Windows, this update of Windows being finalized. Now they did announce formally that it's going to be called Windows 10 version 2004, 2004. That stands for the year 2020 and the fourth month of the year, April. So we don't know what the marketing name will be. It, will, it could be April 29 or April 2020 update. It could be May 2020 update. It all depends on when they finalize that. But we are most certainly, there's no new features being added. They are tweaking it. They are fixing bugs and they are adjusting things. And so this, this version of Windows 10 is definitely in its final stages. And in fact, what I expect to happen since it's been moved into slow ring and slow and fast are matching builds, I expect what's going to happen is the fast ring very soon is going to become 
Windows 10 20H2, the second Windows 10 update for next year. That's due in the fall sometime. Now, whether that will be a uh, cumulative update like Windows 10 version 1909 was or what we knew as 19H2, we don't know yet. That Microsoft has not committed to that, but this new schedule, I mean, we've been testing Windows 10 20H1 now for since February, so it's been under testing for at least 10 months, <clears throat> and it's going to get some time in slow ring to mature, gain more stability, maybe knock out some more performance bugs and things like that. So 20H1, very busy time for Windows Insiders right now. And then I wanted to make you aware that, and you probably may already know this, but Cortana has been extracted from... Um, the Windows 10 OS in 20H1 in the builds we're seeing in Fast and Slow Ring right now. And so it's a separate app. So it's undocked. It's no longer part of the taskbar, although the icon is down on the taskbar. You've got options to either type or speak to it. Uh, they've done some improvements to its email skill, the calendar skill, the window skill. There's accessibility improvements, so it's easier for everyone to use. Um, and so you need to go take a look at this. It's now usable whether you log in or not. Obviously, it can't personalize things if you don't log into it, but it is an option that you don't have to log into Cortana now to use that app. So that is what's going on in the world of insiders. On the Edge side, Edge Chromium, right? So we know that January 15th is the target date next year, 2020, just a little more, just the day after Windows 7 support ends, uh, is the target for the release of the Edge with Chromium browser for Microsoft. And so right now we have Edge Canary channel, Edge Developer Channel and Edge Beta Channel. So Edge Canary daily updates through the week for the most part. There's been odd times that it's not. Edge Dev is a weekly update. That's usually, that will be pulled from the Canary builds release that week. And in fact, right now Canary is on build 80.0.355.0 while the Edge Developer Channel is on 80.0.345.0. Then you have the Edge Beta. This one's released about every six weeks. It is on build 79.0.309.43. And then eventually, once we get Edge Stable Channel, which is what is going to be released in January, that will also be on about a six-week release schedule, and we just don't know yet what that build's going to be. Um, I, I fully expect Edge Beta will probably be due for an update very soon right now, because that will that could potentially be a... Re the Edge Beta Channel is a release candidate channel the way Microsoft is using this for Edge. So I would not be surprised to see us get another build in Edge that brings it up to version 80 dot whatever, and that will become the build that potentially becomes the stable build release when we see that in January. And there's nothing guaranteed about the 15th of January. It is a target. They got to hit their quality uh, check marks if, before they release. That's going to be their norm. Okay, uh, some other news in the Edge world. New PWA features for Windows PWA, Progressive Web Application, features on Windows 10. So what they've done here is they have, um, uh, let's see, let me pull this up. Uh, so there's a new flag. There's some new flags in Edge. I mess with the flags a little bit, but not tremendously. I like to keep things as straight up as possible. Um, the, um, they have also done things for proxy. They have done things to add a, a title bar or a coloration of the title bar instead of it all being one color. Um, so they have done some tweaks to things for the PWAs. And if you've never done this, pull up a website in one of the edge browsers, go up to the, the, the three dots, right? The, the more menu and go down to apps and you'll see a little sub menu. And it's, one of them is manage apps. And then you'll have install this site as an app. And so it will install the site 
as an app, it will provide the icon based on the fave icon, and you'll have a shortcut to that website. And basically, you get it without the Chrome, right? You get it without the toolbar, the address bar, and you just get access directly into the site. I do this for a few links that I have on my start menu, just for easy access to, say, the Flight Hub, um, the... Um, What's the other thing we get from Microsoft? Uh, the 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 Flight Hub, yeah, Flight Hub for the different releases of Windows 10 testing stuff. The Feedback Hub, which is an app already, and then the Windows Blog because I use the Windows Blog a lot. So those things are available to install as PWAs. Uh, they've also done a new dedicated shopping hub on phones for Microsoft Edge, so on iOS and Android. And they they did talk about improved tracking prevention in Microsoft Edge. Uh, in a recent blog post as well. So if you're interested in that privacy aspect of things, that's a really good blog post to go read. Other things that happened in tech this week in no particular order is that you may have heard that Larry and um, Larry Brin and Sergi, um, uh, Larry Page and Sergi Brin, the founders of Google, have stepped aside from day-to-day -day running of the company. They have put, um, what's his name, Sindar uh, Pichai in charge of both Google and Alphabet now. And he will be responsible for running that and doing all those kind of things. It'll be interesting to watch as this transition occurs and uh, see how that impacts the company. There's still a lot of stuff going on with Google. They might be the target of some uh, uh, investigations by the government around, uh, oh my goodness, the same thing Microsoft went through, right? Uh, monopoly and things of that nature and, and privacy and things of all that. So, uh, but, but Sundar has been pretty successful at running uh, Alphabet, or I mean Google. The Google side, right, is not Alphabet. Um, and so um, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of goes along along the way. Some other news with Microsoft stuff. This Microsoft 365, or as it's being called by Mary Jo Foley and some others in the tech press, M365, or Microsoft 365 Life, or For Life. It, it, there's all kinds of variations. Microsoft 365 Life. So this is that rumored consumer version of Office, of Microsoft 365, actually, that will include Office, uh, potentially a password manager, and some other things. And they're looking like a spring 2020 release. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this because this is something that's been talked about for a while. And if it's Microsoft 365, most consumers get Windows 10. This is something I've said before in Observe Tech. Most people get Windows 10 as part of their PC purchase, right? Uh, there's There are enthusiasts who build their own machines and they buy Windows separately, like an OEM copy. But most consumers get Windows 10, an OEM copy of Windows 10 on a device they buy, and that's where it's at. So it'll be interesting to see what this Microsoft 365 Life uh, offers and how they offer it and how they package it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people who would love to see uh, the Xbox stuff get bundled in here and maybe some other services uh, for a consumer to have an option to to bundle things together. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes, but that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, in Windows 10 version 1909, Paul Thorat has written about the fact of some of the big time setup changes. As a Windows insider, we get in the habit of upgrading from build to build, which is simply a migrational update, right? So the new code is in, they migrate out your settings and apps and all that kind of stuff. They install the new OS and then they migrate back in all your settings, apps and everything. So basically it, it's just the update is done from build to build. Well, have, when's the last time you actually did a reset on a Windows 10, say 20H1 device, which is which is now um, 
no, I'm sorry, 19H2. So, and or 20H1 would do it as well. Do a reset. If you've got a device you're testing on, you can afford to reset it. Uh, do a reset and go through that out-of-box experience. They have tremendously streamlined it in so many different ways with options to, to choose between your, or, uh, depending on whether you're installing Pro or Home for personal use, uh, using a Microsoft account, using an offline account, uh, Cortana does not speak out loud anymore like she used to in earlier versions. I think 1903 that went away. Um, so you get some options there to see some new things. It's a whole new view. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot shorter now. There's not nearly as many pages. There's options there about Cortana, signing in with your accounts, uh, doing all your setup stuff, and getting things ready and letting it do your final setup and stages. It even has a screen now that if your Microsoft account or the account you log into your device with to set it up is an Office 365 account, it will prompt you to set up your Office 365. And so you do it right then and there and you don't have to worry about doing it inside the OS once you get the OS installed. So lots of positive changes have occurred when it comes to the setup, the out-of-box experience, what we call the UBI. OOBE. So if you if you've got a test device sitting around, reset it. See what that experience is like. What else have we got? Uh, new technology benefits for nonprofit volunteers. Uh, a few days ago was on December 5th was International Volunteer Day, and Microsoft has a tremendous nonprofit program for software and services. So I helped my my parish uh, a couple three years ago set up and get theirs for Office 365. So they have email, they have the office apps, and they have cloud storage and all those kind of things. Well, now they're offering uh, some additional benefits for nonprofits, uh, getting some Azure and Microsoft 365 uh, benefits for each licensed user of Microsoft 365 that's in an E3 or E5 set. So for a nonprofit, it's a single go, right? You get the nonprofit access, nonprofit license. But if you have, if you're running a company and you're using Microsoft 365 E3 or E5, beginning on the 1st of January, you can translate, you'll get 10 additional Office 365 F1 seats, that's the, the, the nonprofit channel, in order to, for your volunteers and stuff like that, that might be working with your company in some form or another. So very interesting to see that be an exit as well. Uh, Microsoft did formally announce over the last couple of weeks that they have delayed the release of the Surface earbuds. Uh, they are doing that. It's been delayed until spring 2020 in order to get it right. Uh, so Panos Pane announced that himself. Uh, we have the elections coming up in less than a year now here in the United States. And uh, Bing has announced their 2020 U.S. elections experience to help people kind of discern and find out what's going on with the politics and candidates and policies and things of that nature. So that is always handy to have if you are here in the U.S. and following the election. Mobile productivity. This post got so much press this past week, it wasn't funny. Um, but the guy who's in charge of design, John Friedman, wrote an article on Medium talking about their global journey, Microsoft's global journey, to rethink, redesign, and align our mobile experiences. So there, there's a lot of work going on, and this post goes into great detail about some of the stuff they shared at Ignite, some of the stuff they shared uh, in other places, and how they're moving their stuff forward. There's a really good video to give you an idea of how they're doing this and how they're moving things forward when it comes to design and that experience being portable, right? Being the same across devices as well. 
So very interesting. Got a lot of people excited this past week for sure. Uh, what else have I got? Uh, Microsoft To Do has now got multi-window drag and drop support and collaboration notifications in it. That's the To Do is the, the kind of becoming the core To Do option for Microsoft services in Office. Um, users on Windows 10 1809. This is the only disappointing part of my work Windows 10 laptop. It has arrived with Windows version 1809 on it. So as you know, the fall releases, fall feature updates for Windows 10 are uh, 30 months of support for enterprise customers. So potentially my work laptop could be on 1809 for another two years. So I hope it doesn't take that long. I really like being on the front edge, but I have to see once we're settled in whether we have some kind of a early tester program. Maybe I can get involved in that. The Xbox stuff. Uh, Phil Spencer was talking on a stream and said that you know there's been a lot of talk around VR, and he specifically addressed this and said nobody is asking for VR support for Project Scarlet. Project Scarlet is Microsoft's next generation console due out next holiday, so about a year from now, give or take. Uh, very powerful device. In fact, some other news broke in the last couple of weeks about a kind of mid-level Project Scarlet that I, I forget the the code name for it. Uh, but that there would be a slightly lesser powered and, you know, scoped out device that would be available as well. Uh, Xbox Game Pass for console. Halo Reach has, has been released for PC back last week. And if you're on Xbox Game Pass for console or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, you now have Halo Reach as part of the Halo the Master Chief collection. And there's some other games. I mean, the, if you are an Xbox Game Pass subscriber, the apps and your console will keep you up to date on what's going on. But there is just a ton of movement into Game Pass. That means games that are available for you under that subscription. But also um, a, a, a small number that are moving out because of probably for low usage. But all kind, the big one this last cycle was Halo Reach. This is the first time you've had Halo on PC. It's available on through the Xbox app, and so installing on Windows 10. It's available through Steam. In fact, the day it released, it became Steam's most downloaded or, or played or something type, uh, you know, level of interaction. So it just it hit good with a lot of different people. And I've played it on Windows 10. They have updated it. It's got better graphics. It's got uh, more inter. It, it just looks great. It plays well on Windows 10. I've not yet tried it on any other devices to see how it kind of fits in there. But uh, someday I may give that a shot on a lower end, maybe Surface Book 2, maybe Surface Laptop 3, maybe, maybe, maybe. There's no big graphics on there. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, Windows, let's see, Samsung. So everybody knows that there's the Project X Cloud, right? I'm run, I now finally got my X Cloud invite a few weeks ago. Uh, I also have console streaming from the console. Uh, and in fact, over uh, Black Friday, I took advantage of a deal um, with some credits I had with Best Buy. I've now upgraded from the Xbox One S to the Xbox One X. Finally, yeah, I know it's three years, four years, five years, however long it is. That's kind of how I go on things. I, I am a later upgrader than most. So anyway, Samsung Now is a, is a feature that lets you play games from your phone on your phone from your PC. I've not explored it. I've not dived into it. I just thought it was interesting because this is something Microsoft is really doing well with, even though it's still in preview. Uh, the, the experience of playing games like Forza Horizon 4 or uh, Ace Combat Fighter 7 or Madden 20, Madden 20 is amazing on the phone playing over the network, either over wired or over uh, the cellular network. It's an amazing experience. It's even better than console streaming is on my own home network. So, you know, it, it is a, 
and now Samsung wants to get into that for their phones as well. And their phones are supported with Project X Cloud and uh, game stream, uh, console stream because that comes through the app, the Xbox app. Uh, Cortana services, I already mentioned that there are changes happening with that. So be aware that uh, you are going to see changes as that happens and goes on down the road with Cortana. Developers on Windows, you're not being forgotten about. Along with the release of 19H2, more information is coming out about developing on Windows using things like Windows Terminal, a Windows subsystem for Linux, doing debugging. They got uh, intro to the different developer tools, uh, Power Toys, and some other great features that are available for you as a developer. So check that out so you can stay up to date with what's going on in the world. The big plus with Windows 10 version 1909, which was formerly known as 19H2, is because it's just a cumulative update. It is what anything you had prepared for up to 1903 development-wise still will work perfectly with 1909 because <clears throat> they didn't have to redo that all that infrastructure for the developers. So that's a big plus for those folks. Amazon Music has announced a free tier uh, available on mobile devices. So if you um, if you are an Amazon Music uh, fan and you want to try it out, um, you can uh, get access to this free ad-supported selection of content on their mobile app, though. Okay, so that's kind of the key. And then they have um, the ability for you to upgrade that to Amazon Music uh, Unlimited subscription. I'm on Spotify Unlimited, so I'm I'm really happy with Spotify and where I'm at with that. But the free version of this, the free option, this is a good thing. And if I'm not mistaken, Spotify has done the same thing. They've opened up the, uh, its free tier to Amazon Alexa devices. So before you couldn't stream your free Spotify to say uh, a, a dot or an echo or a, a show or anything like that, now you can uh, with Spotify. Uh, I'm, you know, I've never checked Amazon Music to see if the free tier is available on their devices either. I, I just never checked on that before. Um, Amazon, speaking of them, they are, have filed a court case against um, uh, the government because of the awarding of the Jedi contract to Microsoft. Uh, I guess that's been about a month or so ago. Um, and they, uh, so that is going to be a battle in the courts for a while. Uh, this contract is a 10-year contract worth a very pretty penny, and it is to provide uh, upgrades, infrastructure support, and end-user endpoint support for the military, for the different branches of uh, the military Department of Defense. So there's still a lot going on in that area. Uh, we, we heard more about Apple working on a successor for iTunes on Windows 10. You might recall that um, uh, they changed things up to a point, I think, where they canceled or got rid of iTunes on the Mac with the latest OS update. And now there's a question. iTunes still works on Windows 10, but the question is what will replace it, if anything will replace it. Because these days, it's, it's handy for syncing things from the the phone to your computer but it's not necessary anymore for doing activations or and now with cloud storage you can actually move stuff pretty easily without having to put a wire between two devices uh, spotify is now curating suggested podcasts in a new personalized playlist based on your listening habits so if you're a podcast listener and you use spotify which oh by the way faith tech and space is listed on spotify now uh, you can actually get a curated suggestion list of podcasts if you're looking for new content to listen uh, what else have we got here? We've got uh, One UI. Uh, One UI is Samsung's um, interface for their their Galaxy phones, so the S10, the S9, Note 9, things of that nature. 
only the 10 models have been getting the one UI beta, and this is also move, would move them from Android 9 to Android 10. Um, but recently they announced that the S9 devices, so the, the 9s, the Note 9, the S9, and the S9 Plus, would get the opportunity to move and start testing uh, Android 10 as well. I'm no longer on an S9, so I'm on a OnePlus thing, so uh, I, I will not be looking for that release because it no longer impacts me. But it's still of note, there's a lot of folks out there with those devices. Uh, Android has a new focus mode that is coming out, part of the uh, kind of t screen time thing, and it's to help minimize distractions to help you get things done. Uh, so you can go check that out if you're interested in that. Of course, the battle between Slack and Teams and Microsoft is still going back and forth. Slack claims they're now the numbers may not be as high as Microsoft announced. However, their users are more engaged than users on Microsoft Teams. Even I saw a quote from the Slack CEO that said uh, they're, they're learning that users move out of Teams and go to Slack to be productive, whatever that might mean. Uh, T-Mobile and Comcast showing off some new technology for fighting robocalls. Bring it on. We need to fight the robocalls. They drive me crazy uh, like they do many of you. Uh, so there's some information from the T-Mobile newsroom about this announcement and how it's going to work and how I think this is eventually going to become ubiquitous to your carrier, that this is going to be something that is handled by, that everyone will be participating in. The OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren, I got a link in here to a story that I, I caught because it, the guy, the person writing about it, talked about it being the phone they want to buy. Don't forget when I mentioned the McLaren earlier today, I mentioned Rich Woods from Neowind. Go see his unboxing because he really gives a great explainer about uh, 5G and how it kind of has three different bands and how that's all kind of uh, coming out. But it also gives you a great look at the McLaren, at the OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren 5G phone from T-Mobile. Um, a good story here from Ed Bot, as usual. Uh, but this one is about the fact that the PC was supposed to have died a decade ago, but instead it's kind of seen a resurgence, right? We started, we, we officially heard from the New Republic. We heard from uh, other people joined in on that and CNN and Forbes and all these people back in those days were talking about the death of the PC. And what we're seeing today is a very opposite thing that's happened. In fact, the, the, the ecosystem has become so diverse. The form factors have gotten so much better. Now, I can remember working retail at Best Buy when touch was just becoming a thing. And we just got Windows 8. And we didn't have a whole lot of touch devices at the time. Uh, most, most OEM devices were plasticky kind of horrible filling devices. These days, we're getting higher, either higher quality plastic or in other cases, metal and just really nice form factors, two-in-ones, convertibles, all those kind of options, detachables, things of that nature. And so it is most certainly not died off like they said. Uh, the landscape, as Ed points out, has become more competitive. The hardware has become better. Uh, devices are thinner and lighter. Uh, Touchscreens and 201s are the common aspect now compared to 10 years ago. Solid state storage is standard in most devices now. No more spinning drives, but SSDs. Battery life has improved. The ports have evolved. We've seen those, those old VGAs and HDMIs and display ports become, you know, what we used to have full-size Ethernet and 1394 points. And one, a couple of USB Type-C connectors now, even Surface devices, the latest ones are USB-C. It's changing there. Software and services have changed tremendously in the last 10 years. And of course, the OEMs have been forced to kind of rethink things and to be more creative because Microsoft with Surface, for instance, has laid out a plan for what are good devices, how they work, how they look, how they handle all of that. 
So really good story there from Ed about the kind of last 10 years and the, the obituary that, that never got written. Office apps for Windows 10 Mobile, end of support on Windows Phone. So if you use the Office apps on Windows Phone, uh, you are losing that support. In fact, Windows Phone support ends in like two days. I think Tuesday they're going to re probably release the final updates for the latest version of Windows 10 Mobile, and that will be the last release for that platform uh, because it goes out of support. Uh, oh, and um, if you get the chance, go read about this California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA. It is, uh, you've heard about the General Data Protection Regulations, GDPR, in Europe in the EU. This is something very similar for California. And the, the discussion around this, it got passed a couple months ago, but it's, it's I guess, recently been implemented or, or uh, kind of come into the limelight. But there's a lot of talk about whether or not this CCPA, this California Consumer Privacy Act, can become kind of the GDPR for the U.S. And could it be adopted across all 50? So it'll be interesting to see that because I think a lot of work has to be done in privacy and data protection and all that kind of stuff. It gets a lot of attention and focus. So I would not be surprised to see something come out uh, at a state level on more from more states as this this uh, act gets out there and starts to be used more uh, on the social media front let's see twitter pwas can now translate profile bios save searches and do a whole lot more so they've made improvements you know that twitter basically maintains a single progressive web application and that is what we see on ios it's what we see on android it's what we see on windows 10 it's what we see on any device that we pull up twitter on that supports progressive web application. They also rolled out their new hide reply feature to everybody. I was testing that about six weeks ago. Uh, so that is available. Although, it, you know, you hide the replies to one of your tweets. When somebody goes to that tweet stream, they get a big pop-up that says uh, a response has been uh, hidden by the originator of the original tweet. And so people can find out that you hit a retreat, hit a reply. So I'm not quite sure how that is, you know, depending on the type of the reply, I'm not sure how that is a plus or minus, but it's out there. And then um, they also announced, I got to also add that uh, Twitter has recently, I think, gotten much better about filtering the words and the things that you don't want to see on Twitter in your timeline. Used to be just your notifications. I'm now seeing them happen on all of my timeline. And they're labeled now that says, this is not shown, this tweet's not shown because of something you blocked. This tweet's not shown because of something you muted. So it's doing a lot better at not throwing that stuff in front of you if it's not directly addressed to you. Uh, in a notification or something like that. So pretty impressive to see that improving. It's still pretty toxic on Twitter, but if you curate your following, uh, you can put yourself in a pretty good place. I'm really happy with what I've curated on Twitter myself and who I interact with and who I follow and who I track on. Uh, it's a constant thing. You have to be doing it all the time. Twitter also announced uh, that they were going to delete all inactive accounts of six months or older starting this month. However, after a little bit of an uproar about that, they are providing some further clarification. Um, so there's a lot of people who, uh, a lot of Twitter accounts, are, people have memorialized them because of the death of someone. And so people, they're not active accounts anymore, but they also don't want to see them deleted. I wouldn't be surprised to see Twitter introduce a feature similar to Facebook's where an account can be memorialized and it can be left there intact and not be disturbed. <clears throat> That's kind of the digital world we live in, right? This You want to talk about, you know, there's a connection there from faith and tech in that the reason why we remember our dead and we pray for our dead is that we, we want to remember them we, we and, and all of that. And we want them 
Um, so when they have a physical presence, there's a gravestone and things like that. But people tend to have, a lot of people tend to have a digital presence in the world these days. And many would like that to be memorialized because of it, it represents who they were in life. So I, I would not be surprised to see Twitter adopt something very similar to um, Facebook in being able to have that same capability with the counts. That way they don't get... Uh, uh, inactivated and and things like that and somebody else could potentially pick up that username I think it's an important consideration in our digital world all right Facebook letting users this is pretty cool it's just being tested in Ireland but Facebook will soon allow you to transfer all your pictures from Facebook right to Google Photos I'd love to see that go to other things but I can get photos off of Google Photos and put them in my place of preference is OneDrive so I really like this idea of being able to export those photos that I've shared over the years and have access to them. And of course, you can go to Facebook and download your data and they're there as well. But this seems like a way to put them in your permanent library and have them just there as photos. Uh, on the space front and things that are going on, SpaceX was busy this week. They launched a rocket, uh, first time use of a booster, third time use of a Dragon cargo capsule. It docked with the International Space Station after a beautiful launch a few days ago uh, from Cape Canaveral from uh, Space, Launch, Space Launch Complex 40, I think 40 or 41 as SpaceX is down there. But uh, I was able to step out of my front door 120 miles away and catch the plume. Unfortunately, a daytime launch. Would have loved to have seen a night launch, but uh, they successfully landed that booster. Uh, this is one of their new boosters, so it could be used potentially up to 10 times, but that is the third time for the crew, uh, the Dragon capsule, cargo capsule, to go up there. Um, SpaceX and NASA have both now set a test for a the Crew Dragon in-flight abort. Um, so let me see, uh, no earlier than January 4th. So uh, Boeing, on the other hand, has uh, a launch scheduled on the 17th of this month, so about nine days from now to do their in-flight abort. This is actually to send, this is not an in-flight abort. Uh, this is actually to send their, their CST-100, or the, I'm sorry, their Starliner capsule into orbit. I don't know if it's going to station. Uh, that's what SpaceX did, so I assume that that's a part of this test. And then SpaceX, uh, beginning as early as January 4th, will do an in-flight abort test, and that is where the Falcon 9 launches, and then at some point during that launch process, they will abort and use the uh, Draco engines on the Crew Dragon to pull the capsule away, get it under parachute, and let it land in the water. This is for safety purposes, so if there was a problem with the rocket, they could safely get the astronauts off of the stack and recover them and get them back down to Earth safely. So that's what's happening with SpaceX, because SpaceX has already done their... Um, their their you know orbital test that's what Boeing's getting ready to do potentially in nine days and then SpaceX will do the in-flight abort and then that will be one of the final steps to being okayed for manned uh, launches taking astronauts to ISS uh, and then Boeing same thing Boeing has to do this uh, this uh, flight in orbit with their Starliner capsule that will happen it's already mounted on top of a ULA uh, rocket. And when they do this flight, it will be its first uncrewed flight to the internet. It is to the International Space Station. And then once that is done and successful, they will then have to do an in-flight abort test in order to prove their safety. And then potentially we could see astronauts launching from the Space Coast here in Florida from the U.S. for the first time in what was, I don't even remember off the top of my head, the final flight of um, a shuttle, which would have been 2012-ish. I went to a... a 
I went to a, uh, 132s landing in, in 2011, so uh, it would have been about that time frame. So it's pretty cool that we're getting really close to being able to launch astronauts from the, the, from the U.S. here in Florida uh, very, very soon. I, I would not be surprised to see it happen next year at some point. They've got astronauts who are in training for this. They are flight uh, testing and getting trained and prepared for that for both Starliner and SpaceX's Crew Dragon. So it's something we're keeping an eye on. You know I keep an eye on this stuff because of where I sit, just 120 miles away. I still have not fully decided whether or not to go down to Canaveral for the Starliner launch. I was down there for the Crew Dragon launch, so I'd really like to be able to go down and see it. Uh, so I can see it in person kind of thing, uh, but it is a very early morning launch, so I have to I have to decide how that kind of fits in with things. So that's kind of where we're at with Faith, Tech, and Space this week. Uh, episode 2, glad to get it in the can. I'll get it processed and ready to go out to everybody, and uh, we will get this kind of routine going, and the goal will be every two weeks to have a new podcast episode out. If you've got any ideas, any thoughts, any suggestions, please, you know how to contact me. You can get me on Twitter at WinOBS. That's probably the best way to reach me, but there are contact forms on both windowsobserver.com and winobs.com where the podcast and the show links are hosted uh, as well. You can go to that contact form and send me a note. So until next time, stay safe out there. Many, many blessings for everybody over these holiday periods whether and uh, that you stay safe and you get to spend some quality, important quality time with your family. Uh, so until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.